Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So today, we are on the final week of our series, The Battle You Must Win. And here's what we've been saying. The battle you must win is a battle that some of you didn't think that you were in. It's a battle of our thought life. And here's one thing that we've been saying every week. The product of your life is determined by the pattern of your thoughts. Let me say it again. I want you to think about it. The product of your life, the outcomes of your life are determined by the patterns of your thoughts. Your thoughts will take you somewhere. The established patterns, maybe you're aware of them, maybe you're not. Maybe you grew up with them. Maybe it was the way that your mum thought or your dad thought or your grandma thought. And so we were influenced by these patterns of thought, sometimes things that happen to us, different life events, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes indifferent. But they have a powerful force to shape us and to take us somewhere. Now, here's the good news, is that if you change your thoughts, you can change your life. And I believe that, and each and every one of you has power to change your thoughts. Now, we can't always control our thoughts. One of the things that we looked at is uh, there was a couple of studies done. The average person has 6,000 thoughts a day. Now, of those 6,000, 500 of those thoughts are what uh, psychologists and scientists describe as unwanted or intrusive. 90 thoughts a day for the average person are what people would call unacceptable or unhealthy. And 65, in the study they did, 65 thoughts we would say are ugly and evil. And I think if we're all honest, I'm not going to ask to put up our hands Um, but we have some thoughts that we're like, where did that come from? Or that's not me. And I think that's just part of the human condition. But here's what we're talking about is what do I do those with those thoughts? So we can't control all our thoughts, but we can learn to control whether we accept them or reject them. Now, the advantage that we have, anybody, they, uh, there's, a, there's a strand of psychology called uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, cognitive behavioral therapy is where you uh, co- start to consciously recognize the patterns of thought in your life, and then you start to do something, and you work out whether they are, they would call them cognitive distortions. You would say, hey, this is not right, this is not a healthy way to think, this is not aligning with reality. So this is something that is accepted in society and accepted in psychology. But here's the kicker for us. And here's something that is so, so exciting for us is we get to partner with our creator, the one who created us in order to shape our thoughts. And so the advantage that we have is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit alive within us. 
We have the anointing of God. We have Jesus advocating, interceding, helping us. We have the truth of the word of God that the, that the Bible says a light and a lamp. So if we're going to go somewhere, we're going to go with God. We're going to take forward momentum with God. And this is really, really exciting. So we are on a journey towards peace. Up here we have uh, these great illustrations. So this is what we've been talking about, the well-worn path, strongholds of the mind, cliffs of anxiety, the blue lake, and the mirrors of reflection. If you want to catch up, you can do online via our podcast. But today, here's where we're heading, the palace of peace. So today is all about peace. Now, when we say peace, what are we talking about? When the Bible talks about peace, we've got a couple of uh, scriptures that we have been talking about and we will talk about from Philippians chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul, verse 9 in the second part, uh, verse 7 in the second part of verse 9. He's talking about the peace of God and the God of peace. So two sides of the same coin, right? So this powerful promise Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What he's talking about, he uses the word garrison. So say 24,000 soldiers around that. That's how, that's the type of power that God wants to give you to maintain peace. And then he says also the God of peace will be with you. And we're going to look at this passage in a little bit more detail in a couple of minutes but when we say peace, what are we saying? We're not just saying that I have a sense, an inward sense of happiness or content or peacefulness. So when the Bible talks about peace in the New Testament, it is dialing back into the Hebrew understanding of the word peace based on the word shalom. Okay, so we, yes, there is an inward dimension to peace. But there's an inward, upward, and outward dimension to peace because shalom is talking about wholeness. So here's what's really important for us to understand is that when I have the peace of God within me, it is an active peace. It's not just a peace of mind. It's not just a happy feeling, but it's actually power for wholeness. So the peace of God that dwells in with me can make me whole inside can restore what's broken, can restore my relationship with God, but it also has power to extend to my relationship with others. This is the type of peace. So you've got an inward, you've got a peace that allows you to have a relationship with God. You've got a peace that restores you and a peace that is going to travel and carry. So when I'm thinking about peace, when I'm talking about peace, when I'm heading to the palace of peace as my destination, I'm not just expecting that I'm going to have a happy feeling or a nice feeling, even though that's good. I'm expecting something that is far beyond that, far more creative, far more active, and that peace is not just going to abide in me, but is going to begin to emanate from me. Now, who's had an experience or a relationship or you know somebody that when you're around them, you feel peaceful. You know that? You know that feeling? 
I would say we would also have the opposite. You might have some people, maybe it's even sometimes when you look in the mirror, when you're around someone, you feel anxious. Okay, but God is offering each and every one of us, not the person next to you, although the person next to you, but you. You might say, well, I could never be that person. But this is a promise that's available, not by our strength, but by the work of the Spirit. So, here's what we want to be known for as a community. We want to be known as a people of peace. When people walk through the door, they go, I don't know what it is. There's something different here, I feel. Oh, I just feel a little bit more peaceful. In our relationships, in our homes, you walk into someone's home, oh, oh, I like this. I, I can't quite explain it. And so it's a visible mark that God wants to put on you starting from the inside. But it's an inward, upward and outward dimension of peace. So here's what I want to say this morning. Apple juice. If you want apple juice, you need to juice apples. Okay, is this a revelation? Am I blowing your mind today? Hopefully not. If you want apple juice, you need to juice apples. So here you go, I've got one. Amazing. Going better than expected. All right. On track. If you want apple juice, you need to juice apples. But here's what we often do is we want apple juice, but here's what we juice. Oranges. And we're going to talk about this connection in a minute between our inputs and our outputs. But sometimes even as Christians, we want apple juice, but we're juicing oranges. But here's what we say. Hey, I don't know what it is. I really want apple juice. I know that God wants apple juice for my life. When I open the Bible, I read about apple juice, but I can't seem to get apples. Would you pray for me, young lady on the front? Would you pray for me that I get apple juice? All right. Could you do that? Okay, that's not working. It's not working yet. What we need to do, I need to get a team of people to pray for apple juice for me. And then I still don't see apple juice. And here's what I start to say. Well, I'm disappointed in God. I didn't get apple juice. And I might say, God has left me. God has not been faithful to his word. I'm disappointed with God and I don't believe that prayer works. And God is saying, hey, I've given you an apple. Why don't you juice apples? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Is that God, some things God does by power, supernatural power in an instant power. Other things God does by what I call pattern power. He allows us to walk. He demonstrates. He gives us an idea. He gives us, we call it the ways of God. So for us to get the outcome that we want, which is apple juice, we need to learn how to juice apples. And that's what we're going to talk about today. A great quote from brilliant author and preacher A.W. Tozer. 
He says, if you would cultivate the Spirit's acquaintance, you must get hold of your thoughts and not allow your mind to be a wilderness in which every kind of unclean beast roams and bird flies. This is what he's talking about. He says, if you want to get apple juice, you need to juice apples. You need to understand that God has given you authority. He has given you power. He has given you the ability, the spiritual power to exercise authority in order to produce peace. And this is what we're talking about. So I'm going to unpack this. In the Bible, we're going to look at two contrasting pictures of the products of patterns of thinking from two different parts of the Bible. Okay, so I'm going to break it down with this. There's two types of thoughts. Okay, obviously there's other thoughts in life and and we're not talking about, um, you know, should I get up in the morning? Should I make breakfast? I'm I'm talking about a certain type of thought, but stay with me here. It says there are thoughts which oppose God and his way of living and there are thoughts which please God and his way of living. So stay with me and we'll unpack this together. So there is a process here. And here is the process. Can we see this on the screen? We are starting with a thought and then there's a, a choice. We may not choose to have that thought, but we choose to accept or reject that thought. And then if we accept it, whether it's a good thought that pleases God or a thought that opposes God, it goes into our imagination and then our desires, our obsessions, our fantasies, sometimes good, sometimes not so good, and it begins to be amplified. This is what we're talking about. And then from that amplification, we have an action, and as a result of that action, we get an outcome. Okay, so this is a process. Let me show you from Scripture, James chapter 1. So in James chapter 1, verse 1, James is talking about a double-minded person. Okay, a double-minded person can't decide what thoughts to hold on to. Do I want to hold on to thoughts that oppose God or do I want to hold on to thoughts that please God? This is a double-minded person, all right? So verse 13, this is what happens when you accept a thought that opposes God and his way of living. It says, and remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away, and these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Can we go back to that previous slide? So here's what, we have the choice to take a thought that opposes God and to put it in the realm of our imagination. So we, we put that orange in the juicer. This is what happens. Our desires, what do we want? Our obsessions, we think about it. And then from that, that begins to be amplified. In this passage, it says, 
the temptation, the desires give birth to sinful actions. So you are amplifying something. You are growing something. You are cultivating. So this demonstrates some of the power of our thoughts. Now, when these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when the sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So back again to that. So you've got the imagination, which grows into the action, and the outcome of the action of a thought that opposes God is death. Well, let me give you a contrasting uh, picture, and this is our key passage from today, from Ephesians chapter 4. See how this same process is at work. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts upon what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learnt and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So this is a blueprint for a process of power that the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want to produce peace, then here is, and we'll see this in two ways, here is some guardrails about how do you know what I'm thinking about is good or not good. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. Do you see that? So if if I want to produce peace, then I need to exercise daily, moment by moment, hour by hour, partnership with God in my thought life. Does this make sense? Because that thought, if I choose that thought that pleases God, then I'm going to choose what I amplify with my imagination and that will have a product. Now, here's my experience, what I believe that the Bible is saying. Maybe it's different. It's possible. I've not seen it. It's not possible for have your, to have your mind and your thought life captured and focused and desired on things that oppose God and still produce peace in your life. It's not possible. And so this is going to be really, really freeing. But like anything, when we're rewiring our brain pathways, this may not feel natural to you. This may not feel normal. It may not feel comfortable. But that's like anything new that you do. My question is, what are we going to choose if we want to produce peace in our life? Now, Here's what I want to say. We need to allow the things of God to capture our imagination and reject thoughts that oppose God and his ways. Have you ever thought about it like that? Have you ever thought, what captures my imagination? What do I dwell on? Here's a way to think about it. A cow chewing its cud. What happens is, and what psychologists talks about, is when we get a thought, we will ruminate over it. We'll spin it around and around. We'll take it for a couple of laps. Who knows that process? You get a thought, 
in there. Uh, sometimes it's a good one, sometimes it's below par. And we ruminate. So it's a way that we obsess about it. And so we take it around. Who's ever heard the, the phrase, I'm entertaining a thought? Okay, that's what we do. And again, the process is, it's not a bad process, it's just what are we choosing as the input? So you can entertain a good thought, but also you could entertain a thought that opposes God. Most of the time we know, but sometimes it feels good to think about certain things and not think about certain things, and sometimes that's just our pattern. So we obsess over it, we add detail to it. Let me give you a couple of things that can capture our imagination in different ways. Okay, close your eyes. You're sitting on a secluded beach. There's no wind. For the parents, there's no kids. For everyone else, there's no work. There's no phones. Some of you, that might scare some of you, but you're just sitting there. You're relaxing. You're maybe reading a book, your favorite book. Maybe you're under the uh, sun umbrella. People are bringing you uh, mocktails and delicious treats. You are on the beach. So we can have pictures like that, which are, which are good. And then we can kind of say, well, how could I make that happen? I could think about that. I could start a search. I could start saving. I could have that. I could put a picture up on my screensaver, on my phone of a place that I would rather be. So that's, that's not bad. That's just the example of how we would use our imagination. Here is another way that we can use our imagination. So parents with kids, maybe even younger kids would know this. You wake up early, you get food for kids who will complain about the food. You ask kids multiple times to do the same thing. You resolve disputes. You clean up, you get ready for work, you drop the kids at school or daycare, you go to work, you get home, you get food for kids who will complain about the food. You ask kids multiple times to do the same thing. You resolve disputes, clean up, go to bed and start again. Now, sometimes, in a different way, that can capture our imagination. You might say that that is, it doesn't sound very inspiring, but sometimes we can make our whole world and our whole existence about that scenario and we can start to say things about our life that probably aren't true we start to recognize that that is a season whilst it feels long and the days feel long is actually only a short season in our life do you see the power of our imagination at work here's another one you have financial difficulties or perhaps even the perception of financial difficulties so either things aren't going well for you financially or there's a possibility that things can't go, uh, not about to go well for you financially. And, and what can you do? You can ruminate over that. You can start to worry. Who's ever had one of those really like chewy bits of steak that you have to keep chewing because you can't swallow it but it's lost all its flavour? This is what happens when we worry about things. We start to ruminate we start to go round and round and we're through the process but we're not getting anywhere and life begins to lose favor whether we realize it or not we are focusing our imagination 
on a certain scenario. We are going into this loop. And so that can capture. Sometimes we catastrophize. Sometimes we think worst case scenario. So do you see what we're talking about here? We're talking about the power of our imagination to accept or reject what we choose to dwell on. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the New Living. It says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So we're linking all this, all that we've been talking about. If we want apple juice, we've got to juice apples. If I want to learn how to be the person that God has created to me, to live in the type of peace that's available to me, what do I need to do? I need to learn to partner with God in the area of my imagination. I need to be disciplined and focused and get a new pattern of what I think about. Now, am I talking about, for those of you who are realists, saying, well, does that mean we just live on these deserted islands? Um, No, we don't. We're talking about just making sure that we are deliberately engaging with God purposefully to think about things that are good, to think about things that are godly, to think about things that are pleasing to God. So a little bit from my life. Um, This is something that I've been practicing for a couple of years. So every day I will take some time to deliberately think about things that are good. And I will, um, I'll give you an insight into my brain, which hopefully won't scare you too much. But here's one of the things I, I think about. Now, you might think this is a little bit crazy, a little bit odd, but I imagine people getting healed. I imagine people's arms growing, okay? Will I ever see that? I don't know. You might say that's a little bit unrealistic. Well, I think that we could say that a lot of the things that we spend time, when you're worrying, most often 99% of what you're worrying about won't come true. So I don't necessarily think that we have to be totally realistic when it comes to our imagination. Here's some other things that I think about. Obviously, pray for you uh, in our church each week. And so I will see pictures of you smiling. I will see you thriving in your workplace. And so I'm deliberately engaging my imagination to partner with the things of God. I think about my kids growing up. I think about my relationship with my wife. And so I'm constantly engaging my thought process and using the positive power of my imagination for renewal, for advance of the kingdom of God. I think about pictures of hundreds of people finding and following Jesus gathered in small groups all around this city, people laughing, people smiling, experiencing the joy of Jesus Christ in their life and that real peace that is upward, inward, and outward. So this is some of the things that I do. Another thing I did started uh, last week, Monday morning. I got my journal. One of the things that encourages us to do is to start with praise and thanksgiving. And so what I did is I wrote a list of 50 things that I was thankful for. And that changed my day. It just gave me a greater awareness 
of what God had given me. And so I wanted to deliberately partner with God to make sure that I'm framing my world based on the glory and the goodness and the power of God, not just based on my problems or my circumstances or my limitations. Do you see the power of what we're talking about here? This is what each and every one of us are invited into. So here's what I'm hoping, that as a result of this message, as a result of this teaching, as a result of this scripture, that each and every one of you will start to daydream with the power of God. You'll start to be thinking about things. You'll start to be thinking about people. And you'll be like, oh, I could imagine that person doing this, or I could, I could imagine them thriving in their workplace. Do you see how that would change? So we want to learn to partner proactively with God in the area of our imagination. So the Apostle Paul gives eight thought filters to inspire our imagination. And I'm going to look at them really quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There is going to be a list. Uh, We're going to put that up on our social media so that you can um, think about that and be inspired by that. So here's what he says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So here's what we want to be encouraged is that this should form, have two roles. The first is that this should form a guardrail. If our minds start to wander, we could ask ourselves these questions, right? So that's one way, but that's a bit reactive. What we actually want to learn to do is be proactive in the way that we're thinking about things, to actually spend time partnering with God in the area of our thoughts. So the first one is true. That's what he says. And the question is, does God say it's true or who says it's true? Because a lot of people claim truth and there is such thing as ultimate truth. Now, at the beginning of this series, we said that spiritual warfare in its simplest form is truth versus lies. Now, sometimes we are wrestling with truth. We are wrestling with uh, the truth that says uh, maybe what your grade three teacher told you about, maybe what your ex said was true, maybe what your mother-in-law said was true. And so we've got all different types, maybe what culture and society says is true, but we need to learn what it is to say, what does God say is true? What is the truth about me and my identity? Give you an example. When it comes to money, our society will say, make sure you keep it for yourself, save, invest, maybe use it on yourself. God says, yeah, some of that's true. But how about you put me first with your finances, you learn to live generously, and then you let me help you with all that other stuff. Both are true. There is an ultimate truth that is at work. So first, true, does God say it's true? So when we have a thought or when we have an imagination, is this, does this imagination carry the truth of God in it? I'm not saying it's different to factual Because Jesus is truth. He doesn't just have truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The second is noble. Does your thinking and your imagination have an elevated perspective? Does it carry dignity? Does it carry 
that otherness about it? Does it carry possibilities? Nobility will take the high road. Does your thinking, your imagination have that? Do you have an elevated perspective on your thinking? That's number two. Number three is right. Does it align ourselves with God? Do we, are we aligning our thoughts with who God is, the nature of God, the ways of God, the things of God? Does that thought, that imagination, that desire capture and carry that one? Oh, this one is my favorite one. Number four. Here it is. Pure. Does it burn with the brightness of God? Let me ask you a question. In the area of your thought life and your imagination, when you think about something, does it energize you and fill your spirit with light and life? Does it do that? Because there's something that's powerful about the presence of God when we partner with him in the area of our imagination, that God just, something begins to burn bright within us. And when we understand the power of purity, purity is not, some people think purity is a list of things that I shouldn't do. That's not purity. Purity is what it means to understand the life and the light of God within us for our minds, for our emotions to burn with the brightness of God. And this is what's available to us. My favourite one. Got carried away. Number five. Lovely. And so here's what I say. Is it beautiful? The picture that you are creating. Now this word is the only time that it's used in the New Testament. And it means attractive, but attractive in a beautiful way. Are your thoughts beautiful? Is your imagination beautiful? Number seven, excellent. Uh, six, thank you, whispering crowd, amazing. <laughs> Admirable, I love this one. Does it portray others in a good light? Here's one option for my thoughts and my imaginations. When I think about someone, I could obsess about their faults and what's wrong with them. And I could ruminate and I could just be thinking about someone else. Oh, man, they always do this. They never do that. This person is that. But in my imagination, am I allowing space and grace for God to move and to see possibilities for their life? And am I partnering with God to think about that possibility, not to limit that person? So admirable. Does it portray others in a good light? Number seven, excellent. Does it reflect how Jesus lived? And here we're talking about, we are talking about morality. But we're talking about moral excellence through the power of the Spirit. This is how Jesus lived. Not just me trying to do a bunch of good things, but me living a life that is empowered by the presence of God. Last one, I'm going to invite Naomi back to the keyboard. Number eight. Praiseworthy. Is it pleasing to God? And so here is what I hope is happening, that you are maybe a little bit challenged, but hopefully a lot inspired 
to be proactive in how you're using this incredible gift that God has given you, the gift of your imagination. That when thoughts come in, there's a gate. I'm going to reject that or I'm going to accept that. I'm going to accept what is pleasing to God and then I'm going to begin to amplify or magnify. I'm going to begin to think well of others. I'm going to be think about possibilities. I'm going to be thinking about miracles, transformation. I'm going to be thinking things of life about myself, about others. And this is what God invites us to. But here's the last thing that I want to say before we pray and uh, we share some food together. That the ingredients that we need, these raw ingredients that we need, they are found in the truth of the Word of God. Another quote from Tozer. Here's what he says. My experience is to open up the Bible, get on my knees before this open Bible, and begin reading, not in a race to finish, but in an attitude to receive. As I give God's Word priority in my life, He begins to honour that priority by unfolding to me what the Word of God is all about. Can I encourage us that when it comes to the things of God, that priority, a lot of the times, myself included, we, we try and squeeze it in. We try and say, okay, how can I squeeze this in? How can I get this done? But when we come and create space and priority, there's lots of different ways we can do this in lots of different seasons, right? I know there's schedules and all that kind of thing. I'm not saying that. But when we come with this attitude to receive, this is the raw ingredients for peace. This is, we begin to understand the ways of God and the thoughts of God. Amen. I'm going to pray. Why don't you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, we pray right now that your spirit would just inspire people to partner with you in the area of their imagination to create peace. Lord, I see all over this group of people, people establishing palaces of peace, people having patterns of living which are so fruitful, which are so life-giving, which are so amazing, which are so liberating to partner with the inward, upward and outward sense of wholeness and peace, to replace lies that people have said with the truth of You. And so, God, I pray that we would be known for a people with such a creativity of imagination, of possibilities, not problems. That we would see God move in our minds before we see it happen in reality. And so, Lord, I pray that anyone who is encouraged or needs to be encouraged, Lord, that you would meet them right now. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for one more group of people before we finish up.
And I believe there's some people here and God has been leading you to a point where you want to cross the line and give your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been on that journey. And you want to enter into that complete peace and wholeness through the power of the Spirit. And while everyone's eyes are closed, heads are bowed, if that's you and you want to cross that line and say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm all in for you. In my heart, in my spirit, if that's you, I want to pray for you. So whoever that is, would you uh, just put up your hand so that I can pray for you in this time and in this moment. Thank you for that. Is there anyone else that would love to join in on this prayer? Thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you that in you there is life, there is peace, there is wholeness. And so, God, we embrace that in the name of Jesus. God, we pray and we thank you for those that have responded that are just all in for you, that are going to put you first in every area of their life, that there is such a blessing Thank you. We honor you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.